chapter 9, beginning at verse number 57. Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 57 from the English Standard Version. Uh, should be appearing on your screen momentarily. Uh, there you'll find these words. <clears throat> As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be unto God for God's word. And we hope that it finds a place deep in your heart uh, as we share together uh, this morning. For the time that we have uh, today, I'd like to tag this text with the topic, follow me, follow me, follow me. <coughs> Our text today highlights uh, three interactions between Jesus and would-be disciples as they were walking along the road. Jesus was on his final journey into Jerusalem as the time approached for the series of events that would culminate in his being taken up into heaven. We learn that Jesus, the, we learn that Jesus, um, that, the, that Jesus tells the disciples that he would be rejected by the religious leaders and would be killed at their hands, but would rise again on the third day. Jesus has made his decision about the path that he is taking, and he has resolutely set his face toward Jerusalem when these conversations in our passage and our pericope of Scripture take place. It's hard to imagine today hearing Jesus' description of the events to come, understanding them, and still wanting to follow him to his ultimate execution on the cross. Yet, that is just what he challenges these disciples to do. As Jesus explains what will happen to him, he tells those gathered in verse 23 of chapter 9 that if anyone would seek to come after him, they would be required to deny themselves, to take up their cross, and to follow him. Jesus was a popular countercultural figure during this time where people were thirsting for something more meaningful and clear than the traditional teachings of the Jewish religious leaders. And while Jesus gained celebrity status as one who operated in divine authority, the people were so enamored with his mystique that they missed his message. He came to usher in a new era of relationship between heaven and earth. But the method by which this would take place, uh, this new relation of a relationship between God and humanity would be achieved, would require that Jesus would have to die. And in fact, this is the backdrop of the conversation in verses 57 and 62, through 62. To follow Jesus didn't mean to be a part of an entourage or to be a part of a social club. It was more than being a member in the Jesus fan club. But following Jesus meant losing one's life in order to gain life. This passage is one that is centered on the importance of following and there are three opportunities presented for individuals uh, that individuals have to make a decision to answer the call to follow Christ. 
it could very well be that these men, much like the crowds of people who followed Jesus and to some extent the disciples who were closely connected to him, became so caught up in the mystique of Jesus that they missed the message of Jesus. There is a clear call for disciples who would commit themselves to the work of building the kingdom of God in the earth uh, to, point, to the point of replacing the desires of their lives with the desires of the divine in an effort to help manifest the kingdom on earth. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said it, says it like this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Even earlier in this chapter, Jesus says, whoever wants to save his or her life will lose it. But whoever loses his or her life for me will save it. To follow Jesus means to make the kingdom our priority. To follow Jesus means dying so that we can live. This is, in fact, a very radical uh, kind of discipleship. We didn't come to Jesus because we wanted to die, and yet it is the loss of life through self-denial and taking up one's cross that is the call for the Christian disciple. However, I would endeavor to suggest this morning that for many of us, especially in our 21st century American church context, we have fallen in love with Jesus, the celebrity who heals, provides, protects, and saves, while neglecting the fact that we are called to make some decisions about the priority of our own lives. This is the tension that we see raising in the text of those who have been extended the invitation to walk with Jesus as he makes his way through uh, to Jerusalem have to make a decision about their allegiance to Jesus over everything else. They have to count the cost of what it means to be a disciple. And if we are honest with ourselves, we have done a poor job of exposing and explaining what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ in the context of our churches. Because it's not about a title. It's not about money. It's not about the amount of time spent doing the work of the church. It's not about power. It's not about prosperity. But being a disciple of Christ is informed by one simple request from our Savior, and that is follow me. Following Jesus should be the primary influence in every other area of our lives. Our relationship with God through Jesus Christ ought not be watered down to a place of transactional engagement where we uh, only engage with God as much as God sends blessings our way. Y'all, God isn't just God of the good times. God isn't just God of prosperity. God isn't just God of sunny days. But when we are sick, God is still God. When we are broke, God is still God. When we are in trouble, God is still God. When we are depressed, God is still God. Following Jesus ought not be predicated on our circumstances, but we should have the resolve of Paul who learned to be content regardless of his situation because of the strength that he found in following Jesus. This doesn't mean that we stop praying for God to show up in our situations, but it means that even as we pray, we find ourselves being content uh, that uh, if what we desire from God isn't in God's will for our lives and that we will remain committed to following Christ come what may. We aren't called to simply be recipients of the blessings of God, but also to respond to what God through Jesus 
Jesus Christ has done for us by being a consistent, active follower of Jesus. This is more than just doing good things for folks in the community. It goes deeper than just being an active church member, but it is a lifestyle shift that makes following Jesus the number one priority over everything else. This commitment of every disciple of Jesus Christ uh, should be uh, the words of the old hymn that say, I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. In fact, this is what's at stake in our text today. Jesus challenges these three individuals to a life that is committed to follow beyond circumstance. While what Jesus requests is simple, it is not easy. We never know where following Christ may lead us. We never know uh, who we may end up making upset by putting Jesus first. We never know what status quo standards and rules we will end up breaking as we follow Jesus. Uh, Yet there is a decision that we have to make which has important implications for the lives of those in the text and most importantly the lives of each of us who are gathered in this space in this moment today. Uh, So then how does responding to the call of Christ to follow him impact us? Well, the first thing that the text teaches us today is that following Jesus means being uncomfortable. Following Jesus means being uncomfortable. Somebody type uncomfortable uh, in the comments. The first uh, of the interactions in verses 57 and 58 come from a man who is eager to follow Jesus, but may not have considered the reality of what that really means. He says that he is willing to follow Jesus wherever Jesus goes. Considering where Jesus is headed, this is an admirable yet lofty promise. Jesus is going to be betrayed. He's going to be rejected and beaten and bloodied and eventually killed in Jerusalem. To go where Jesus was going meant that this man was ready to endure the very same experience that Jesus would have to endure. Yet it becomes clear that this man may not have considered all of this. Because of the power that Jesus displayed and his popularity with the people, this man sought to follow Jesus and be a witness and even perhaps participant in the work that Jesus was doing. Uh, This first would-be disciple, y'all, sounds a lot like us. We like to make lofty and admirable promises to God about the decision to commit ourselves to God because we are attracted to the idea of Jesus and not the reality of Jesus. Let me say that again. We like to make uh, promises to God about the decision to commit ourselves to following God because we are attracted about the idea, the perception, what we see on the outside about Jesus, but not the reality of what it means to truly follow Jesus. The idea of Jesus is one that makes everything all right, that solves all of our problems and leaves us all with a smile on our face at the end of the day. But the reality of Jesus is that sometimes he allows us to go through some trouble, doesn't always provide solutions, and is a polarizing figure causing people to love him or to hate him. We like the Jesus that cries at Lazarus's tomb, but we are resistant to the Jesus that turns over the tables in the temple. Uh, We want the Jesus that is preaching to crowds and inspiring people, but we aren't sure if we want the Jesus that's hanging out with the prostitutes in the street folks. Uh, We want the Jesus of the resurrection without recognizing that there is no resurrection without crucifixion. We like Jesus to be cozy and comfortable but if we're going to follow Jesus we have to decide that we are okay with being uncomfortable. That's what Jesus 
uh, is telling us today in his response to this lofty promise of this first man, Jesus tells him that foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. The title Son of Man was Jesus' way of revealing himself to the, to the people as the Messiah. In other words, he is saying uh, here that the animals of creation have their place, but the one God sent to save their world has no home here in this world. Jesus was a nomadic preacher prophet who stayed from house to house. He had no specific someplace to live during his uh, years uh, of ministry. However, even and even more significantly is the idea that the one who is the Logos, the living word of God, had no place of security even in the world that he helped to create. Uh, in John chapter 1, we read that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That through him all things were made and nothing was made that had been made without him but when we go down a little further in John chapter 1 we find these words that he was in the world and though he was made and though the world was made through him the world did not recognize him he came to that which was his own but his own did not receive him all this to say that Jesus uh, who created the world was a stranger in this land uh, he was rejected not just by people in his native culture but even by the systems of the world in which he lived and so that means for us that we have to recognize that to follow Christ is a call to being countercultural, to going against the grain of the status quo to upsetting that which has become normalized to afflicting the comforted while comforting the afflicted and exposing that which has been hidden because that is who Jesus is and that is what Jesus did and to decide to follow Jesus means that we must be like the one we follow which guarantees being at odds with the culture even and even the religious establishment uh, this is why Jesus tells uh, his disciples that the world will hate his disciples because of him and perhaps the waning and diluted influence of the church in western culture comes because we have forgotten that Christ isn't all about name it and claim it prosperity money cometh now theology y'all Jesus had no big car he had no big house he had no fancy clothes or big buildings there was no place for him from being born in a feeding trough in a cave on the backside of a home in Bethlehem to being crucified as a state criminal and buried in a borrowed tomb uh, we have to return uh, to following the Jesus of the gospels not just the Jesus of our own remaking. We have to remember that following Christ is about seeking justice to address uh, the systemic issues of our world and providing for the needs of those who lack what they what they need. Uh, following Jesus is about being selfless in a world that's selfish. Following Jesus is about speaking out uh, and taking a stand for the marginalized in a world that seeks to ignore them and to do so will put us in some uncomfortable positions having some uncomfortable conversations and cause us to live lives that exist in the space of the uncomfortable. And when we find ourselves uncomfortable because of following Christ, we know that our Savior encourages us to be of good cheer for he has overcome the world. In fact, you want to type in the comments right now, I'm good with being uncomfortable. Yeah, we've got to get uncomfortable recognize that being uncomfortable is a part uh, of following Jesus. 
Yes, following Jesus means being uncomfortable. Uh, but also the text teaches us today that following Jesus is unconditional. It is unconditional. The next two interactions are based in the Jewish tradition of prioritizing the care of family over everything else. In verse 59, Jesus asked another man to follow him, to which this man responds, let me go and bury my father first. Then, in verse number 61, another man says that he will follow only if he can have the chance to go and say goodbye to his family. Both of the requests were reasonable based on Jewish tradition. And expectation. The burial of the dead was religious duty that took precedence over everything else. Even the priests who were by Levitical law not allowed to touch the dead could bury their own relatives. To return home to say goodbye to family was a reasonable request as well. In the Old Testament, when the prophet Elisha was called by Elijah, uh, he uh, was permitted to return to his mother and father to bid them a final farewell. Yet both of these requests were rejected and rebuffed by Jesus because they made their request based on the conditions of their life. Essentially, they were telling Jesus that as soon as they tied up some loose ends, that they would be able to commit to following him. Uh, even for many of us who have received the gift of salvation, we have done just what these people in the text have done. Both of their responses include the phrase, but first. Uh, but first, type that in the comments, but first. One wanted to say goodbye to his family, and the other wanted to wait for his father to die so that he could bury him. Both of them wanted to follow Jesus, but first they had to do some, something else. Uh, likewise, we can come up with all kinds of conditions for delaying making the decision to actually follow Christ in every aspect of our lives. We try to reach a certain milestone in order to get active with following Christ. Uh, we have the same but first mentality uh, of these men in the text. We will follow Christ, but first we got to finish the degree. Uh, we'll follow Christ, but first uh, we got to get married. We will follow Christ, but first we need to have kids but but we'll follow Christ but first we have to be making a certain amount of money we'll follow Christ but first we got to stop drinking or stop smoking uh, we'll follow Christ but first we've got to retire uh, we'll follow Christ but first we've got to go on vacation to do some other things that we want to do and as Jesus shoots down their reasons for not following we are challenged not to allow our conditions to keep us from following Christ uh, Jesus asked these men to do what is considered a supreme dereliction of duty in the culture of first century Judaism. No one would even think to abandon their familial responsibilities. Not even the temple priests were afforded such, such a pass. These were good men trying to do the right thing. But Jesus calls them to uh, the better thing, and that is following him. Yet to do this meant that these men would break social, cultural, and religious traditions in order to follow Jesus and do the work of the kingdom of God. Jesus was openly challenging the traditions of the day because the, king, because the kingdom of God is greater than any traditionalism that we have. 
to use a spades analogy, following Jesus is the big joker that trumps everything. Y'all know, I know y'all play spades. I know you're holy, but I know you play spades because I play spades. Uh, Jesus, following Jesus is the big joker that trumps everything. It trumps our career. It trumps our personal aspiration. It trumps our friends. It trumps the church. It trumps our family. And just like the big joker always wins, so it is when we follow Christ because following Jesus always wins. We worry so much about the conditions and the circumstances of life when the reality is that if we put our excuses to the side and put our hand to the plow of following Jesus, then everything else will be taken care of because God has a crazy way of making sure that every that we have everything we need when we unconditionally commit our lives to service in the kingdom. Uh, don't you know that God takes care of the birds of the air? They never go hungry. Don't you see that God cares for the flowers of the field? They are always immaculately dressed. All God is waiting for uh, is for us to trust God enough to go forward in following Jesus and God will make sure that we got everything taken care of. We can't worry about making our family angry, about disappointing our friends. We can't concern ourselves with who we will upset or offend. Just as Jesus redefined the relationships in his life based on his calling and purpose, we have to do likewise. For to follow Jesus conditionally is to not follow Jesus at all. But we have to do as the psalmist says and delight ourselves in the Lord and watch the Lord give us the desires of our hearts. For when we commit our way to the Lord, he will cause our righteousness to shine like the dawn and, the, and our justice to shine as the noonday sun. All we have to do is trust him enough to get our excuses out of the way and follow Jesus unconditionally. Yeah, we got to follow him unconditionally today. Follow him unconditionally. Following Jesus means being uncomfortable. Following Jesus is unconditional. But finally, following Jesus requires urgency. Following Jesus requires urgency. Somebody type urgency in the comments. Following Jesus requires urgency. As we follow, following the request uh, of the men in verses 59 and 61, Jesus' Jesus's response points to the urgency of the matter to which they, he is calling them. In verse, uh, verse 60, he says, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Scholars suggest that the play on words in verse 60 implies that Jesus was likening the spiritually dead to the physically dead. The physically dead are easily to recognize, but the spiritually dead are those who are not following the way of Jesus Christ. In essence, Jesus is saying, let the dead folks hang out together. Uh, but if you are going to follow me, you can't hang out with dead people because only, de only the living follow Christ. We can recall that Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 10 that he has come that we might have a life and to have it more abundantly. Following Jesus is a matter of life and death. Those that are living should be concerned with the urgency of proclaiming the messages of life that is the kingdom of God. Uh, perhaps one of the most famous quotes of the motivational speaker, Les Brown, is live full, die empty. Live full, die empty. Uh, this is, in fact, the life to which Jesus has called us. 
one that doesn't end until we have fulfilled the purpose that is found in following him. Yet too many Christians and too many churches are guilty of focusing more on death than on life. We can be more concerned with making sure that our arrangements are in order so that when our time comes, our family doesn't have to worry. Uh, we, can be, we can hold on to the dead faith of the living as we think about doing ministry in a post-pandemic reality. Uh, but if we are followers of a living Christ, we should not be found guilty of sitting around in our clay, grave clothes and focusing uh, our thoughts around that which is dying. For Jesus, called, Jesus, Jesus died rather and defeated death, hell, and the grave. We are called to follow a living Savior, and because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Uh, because he lives, all fear is gone. Because we know that he holds the future, uh, we ought not be dealing in death because Jesus has made life worth the living. All oh, because he lives. Uh, if we turn, skip down to verse number 62, uh, he tells uh, that last would-be disciple uh, that anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for service in the kingdom of God. Uh, this brother wanted one last chance to go back and say goodbye. Uh, it's, it is seemingly harmless, but in reality, by going back home, he is giving another chance for someone to convince him not to follow Jesus. Uh, this is what Jesus is addressing with the imagery of plowing the fields. I wasn't a farmer at all, but I've seen how plows work, and I know that it's hard to uh, plow in a straight line when you're looking backwards. Another way to think about it is that when you're driving, if you can't drive straight. You can't stay in your lane on the road when you aren't focused on what's in front of you. And Jesus is simply telling us today that we need to keep our focus forward. The kingdom of God is not behind us, but the kingdom is in front of us. God is moving in front of us. And if we spend too much time looking behind us, if we spend too much living in what God has done, if we spend too much Looking, uh, looking at what has happened, then the past will become an idol to us, and we will miss what God is doing and showing right before us. As someone once shared with me, we can celebrate the history that has been made, but we must focus more on the history we are currently and will be making. Uh, we must always be reminded of the fierce urgency of now, and always keep our focus forward, because forward is where God is moving. God tells Jeremiah that God knows the plans he has for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us hope and a future. We've got to keep our focus forward. God told Isaiah to forget the former things, but do not dwell in the past because I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you, don't you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. We've got to keep our focus forward. Uh, Paul teaches us that we need to leave the past in the past and press towards the high calling of the mark in Jesus Christ. We've got to keep our focus forward. Uh, even Jesus tells his disciples that whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, uh, but they will do greater works than these as well because Jesus is going to the Father. Uh, we've got to keep Keep our focus forward. So let not your hearts be troubled. For if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in God, and believe also in Jesus, that in the God in his father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, he would not have told us in his word. He went to prepare.
prepare a place for us and he's coming back that where he is there we may be with him also because Jesus is the way Jesus is the truth and Jesus is the life and we've got to learn that if we're going to do the work of the kingdom if we're going to expand the kingdom into our community if we're going to represent Christ wherever we go if we're going to work for justice in our world if we're going to aid those who are marginalized and are left out and left behind we've got to keep our focus forward because death is behind us but life is before us and we ought to keep our focus forward and let our declaration be that I'm not going back but I'm moving ahead I'm here to declare to you that my past is over in Jesus all things are made new because I've surrendered my life to Christ and I'm following Jesus forward you want to type that in the comments right now I'm moving forward I'm moving forward in faith I'm moving forward knowing that if I'm following Jesus at the end of the day everything is going to be all right and if you believe it right now type forward in the comments type forward right now in the name of Jesus that we're moving forward the name of the Lord Jesus challenges us here to follow him challenges us to commit our lives putting Jesus first making Jesus the priority the lens through which we live if we do that we're going to have some challenges it ain't going to be easy but, when it, but we can, I guarantee you is that the Lord will be with us the Lord will take care of us the Lord will make straight our path the Lord will guide us into all righteousness for his name's sake and we've got to commit in our hearts, commit in our minds, that we're moving forward, following Jesus. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you for this moment in the text which illuminates for us, yes, the challenge of following Jesus, the commitment that's required to follow Jesus, but also reminds us of how important it is for us to connect not with the Jesus that we've created in our mind, not with the Jesus that's been lifted up and glorified, uh, but to study and to understand the kingdom of God so that we can be following the Jesus of the text, the Jesus that came into the world uh, as a disruptor, the Jesus that came into the world uh, as one who came to connect to those and to care for those who were marginalized and, and afflicted, but also came to challenge those who were causing the oppression and, and the affliction in this world. God, help us in our daily lives. Uh, to recognize, yes, it might be uh, uncomfortable. Yes, uh, yes, it requires us addressing the excuses we might make. Uh, yes, it is urgent. But help us today, God, to commit and to recommit to following Jesus. Not just being a church member, not just uh, being a part of a, of, a, of a church family, but following Jesus in our daily lives. And that you would bring us together in community as a community of followers of Jesus that is having impact in the world. God, we thank you now. And we pray, God, for someone who needs to make a decision to follow you today, whether that be saying yes to Jesus, to following Jesus for the first time, to recommit to following Jesus, uh, or to uh, partner their, their following with our following that we might all walk together on this journey of discipleship of Jesus Christ together. God, whatever the situation is, God, whatever the case is, it's our prayer today that you would move on their hearts right now and help them to say yes 
to what you're calling to them, calling them to in this moment right now. God, we thank you for this preached word. We thank you for your for pouring into us again today. And we love you. It's in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus we pray. And all God's children said amen. Amen and amen. Amen. Listen.